I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift, the online cycling platform that makes training fun. An update on Benji and I on Zwift in a second. We're here with Bass Country. The racing doesn't stop. Thankfully, a bit of an easier transition from the classics into Basque Country. The prologue today, because we haven't done a preview, we will go through the GC contenders here. It's a very similar parkour overall, though. It finishes with the Savage Arate stage where Roglic stole a march on Pagatcha last year. That incredible stage six, that is back. And so is Roglic, who won Basque Country last year, Vingegaard as well is here for Jumbo Visma, who came second and was a shadow of Pagacha. But Remco's here, Benji. First at Torino yeah. against Pog. Now he's back against the other Slovenian testing himself. Is he the second favorite? I'd argue he's definitely one of the favorites here. And the intriguing part is that we saw at Torino that he was combined with Alaphilippe and it started looking a bit weird at certain points in the race where yeah. it was pretty clear at certain points that Alaphilippe was starting to ride for Remco and at certain points Remco did stuff for Alaphilippe and in this race they're both here again I do think that Remco should be the GC rider definitely starting with a prologue at today and yeah I guess uh we'll figure out throughout the week how they're going to spread the eggs so that for example Alaphilippe can go for a stage you are there and prepare for LBL most likely because I think this is mainly a preparation race for Alaphilippe but I think that there's other teams out there that also have contenders for this race, right? Bilbao made her at Bahrain. Bilbao's been very good this year so far, but under the radar, McNulty and Ayuso are out. Now, Ayuso was supposed to do this race, whether he's, he's they said he's out with sickness or whether <laughs> whether it's a bit of backlash from the Catalonia stuff. I don't know. Soler's the leader here. Enric Mas back from the crash at Torreno for Movistar. Ineos have um, Benji's written Everyone. in the notes. Rodriguez, I didn't sign off on that. Is Christian Rodriguez here? <laughs> he is. He is. <laughs> Which one's going to win? All right, I reckon Christian's going to beat him in GC. Ah, oh, come on, no, no, no. Well, the thing is, like Ineos is here with like seventeen GC riders, exactly. so it's That's definitely why... possible that they pick the wrong one. <laughs> they've got Garain Thomas. They've got Rodriguez, the real one. Adam Yates, Martinez, Gegenhard at this uh, at this race, and to That's be honest, stacked. like. It's so difficult to guess which one is going to be their leader because most of them were likely going to do well in this time trial already. So I guess we would sh- we would see after the initial prologue who's still ahead, what plans they might have for the future. But purely before the prologue, my guess was personally Adam Yates. What was yours? Martinez, actually. Oh. Uh, I thought Martinez. Um, but we'll talk about his TT today. Is Aguirre here for Koffer just looking for a top five to Basque rider? That'll be hard, but... They want points. Igita and Vlasov, two of the best GC riders at Bora, just about. I think both of them are doing the Tour de France. So that's their TDF pairing. Or maybe Igita's just doing Vuelta. Cristiano Rodriguez, Godou is here at Groupama. He won the Arate stage last year. And Uran and Padun, Ariyev. You remember Uran, no, not Uran, Padun, rather, 
in it was a similar stage in the World Tour Stage 20 last year where he was in the break trucking. Uh, but that was up in, I think, Galicia or, yeah, it was Galicia. Anyway, first stage was a prologue, 8Ks, nice, simple start around Hondo Ribia. I think that's like the northwest of the Basque, no, northeast of Basque country near the French border. It's, I heard from Seb uh, Berwick, he's like, it's really technical. Cobbles, tight corners, descents into corners on cobbles. It, you look at the La Flamme Rouge profile and it's like, oh, it's got a little roller in it, 1,400 metres, 4%. Nah, it's up and down all, all the time, including an uphill finish that's barely shown. And it's a nasty stage. And Roglic doesn't lose in Spain. That's the thing, Benji. I thought Remco had a chance because I was like, there's two things here. Roglic is better, I think, on a TT bike around corners. I think Remco, like in the Torino TT, he sucked in the intermediate chicane. But then Remco should want to risk life or death and Roglic might not want to risk life or death. So that was the balance. Um, I still went with Roglic before the stage, which is... uh, 2020 hindsight. I'll just I'll just do what we normally do. Well, which one the TT? Are you surprised, Benji, that he won by a full five seconds ahead of uh, Chiboy Remco? I'd argue that him winning is not a real surprise, but him winning by five seconds is quite a lot for a an eight kilometer prologue, to be honest. So that's the aspect where I'm like, okay, that's quite a bit, and definitely because he went to that first intermediate check. And he was there on half a second behind Ademkoe Evenepoel. So he really hammered the second part and brought that home. Because I think when it comes to... uh, There was this point on an uphill section about two thirds into the race where the ticker... There was a live ticker on the screen that basically said that Roglic was suddenly a second ahead of Ademkoe. And then he goes into the descent and he loses time to Ademkoe in the descent again. But then we move towards that final cobble ramp into the finish line that, in my personal opinion, is not that visible on the finish like the profile like it looked steeper than what is on the damn profile (laughs) but uh he took time on remco and like quite a bit on the cobble part and that's the intriguing aspect i think of this uh roglic we saw at gp did an uh cobbled god he could win paru bay and i look forward (laughs) to him in denmark no the cobbles aren't in denmark they're in the later stages in the tour de france but before we get into the full splits analysis some very big positive splits from some riders on Ineos again. Mention our show partner, Zwift, the online cycling platform that makes training fun. We got one month till we arrive in Budapest for LRCP visits this year at Italia. We've got to get there early so we can get the admin sorted and cycle around. I need to be in prime shape for that TT recon. And I'm doing that on Zwift because it's April and every time in Andorra, I speak to people on the street and I'm like, is this normal? Is it normal that two feet of snow, a meter of snow just landed in the middle of spring? At I'm not even at high, high altitude. And they're like, no, it's really weird. But then it keeps happening. So anyway, that's why Zwift is going to be my platform for the next month, maxing out on that all throughout Basque Country pairing that with just some other walking around hiking with toby he demands it but zwift will be the bedrock uh and i'll probably do an ftp test tonight after this benji yeah i know just straight off the costa brava what's what's your plans what have you been up to for me it's a bit more long term than yours you've got mon month and it's a a do or die situation because you want to be forgotten (laughs) somewhere in your life but when it comes to me it's not the case i wanted to lose 20 kilograms this year and also do a like 
climb my first call properly and perhaps even live stream it because that would probably be pretty fun to watch. And that is actually going pretty well because I've lost roughly half of what I was supposed to lose in the year in the first three months and four days of this year. So I can't complain so far. And I might even up my goal a little bit, but perhaps I should not do that because in the Christmas days towards the end of the year, that might that might go badly again. So the 20 kgs is my goal and it's looking good so far. And uh, whenever I've got something going on when it comes to uh, climbing, then it's definitely thankful to, thankful to the uh, swift rides that I've been doing recently. I know, and I noticed that when I went down to an outdoor ride in, in uh, the coast, I was like, oh, you know, I was like, I'm actually going all right. <laughs> doing Zwift at altitude is pretty crazy training. All right, into the TT splits. Adam Yates, big positive split, Benji. Third at T1, or the only intermediate rather, and then he was the 16th fastest from the T1, from the intermediate to the finish. So is he Simon Yates? Because Simon Yates did the same thing at Paranese TT. This is further evidence they are the same person. Remco as well, first at intermediate, fifth, on the T1 to the finish. This is off PCS. Uh, Cavania, very similar. Fourth, then 10th. Thomas, fifth, then 13th. Looking for Tullet. He, Tullet, did the opposite. 15th at the intermediate. Sixth at the, the end. So, and Martinez, the same Benji. Sixth at yeah. the first and then 22nd. So, Ineos have either messed up the pacing or they decided to go out harder at the start. I don't know. Adam Yates still ended up well. I think it might be that they underestimated how hard the second half of the course was. I think so as well. I'm not sure it's necessarily messing up as they still did a great time compared to most yeah, of the competitors good. on the parkour, but there's other riders that did it differently, quite certainly. But I do want to go back to the uh, conspiracy theory of Adam Yates. You was going into there. I actually want to change my standpoint. I don't think there's only one Yates. I think there's two Yates's, but one's better than the other. So they switch teams every single time, switch around to get a great salary on both teams. And therefore they only do well once or one Yates can do well per time trial. So does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense to me. I've never seen them in the same room in person. And my theory for this TT is descending, technical descending and cornering. And I just, while you were talking, actually used my brain for once Ben Tullet, CX guy, although he, I think he crashed like six times or maybe someone else on Ineos at Algarve. Maybe guys who are better in the in the descent corners, Remco, not as good. Thomas, not as good. Uh, Martinez, definitely not as good. And I see Frailer's done what looks like a negative split, but that might purely be, it might not be a power negative split. It might just be all on handling. Cavagna as yeah. well, not great. So that's my working theory. I should do. I'll do the top ten just for for uh, completeness. Roglic winning the TT five seconds ahead of Avonapol. Cavagna another quick stepper in third on ten oh four. Thomas fourth on ten oh six, which is nearly twenty seconds behind Roglic. Yates on the same time as well as Vlasov still on ten oh six. The best of the Bora riders. Army Rail a good TT on ten oh eight as well as Izagire and Jonas twenty back. Tullet the tenth. On 10.09, and Martinez, out of the top 10, quite surprised by that, as well as Pierre Latour. As well, Latour, not a great descender, huge, what looks like a negative split, seventh at the intermediate, 34 at the end. I think this TT was all about handling. What about Jonas Benji? What do you, 
I expected him to be five seconds quicker. I expected him to be where Yates was. Yeah, I think I expected more as well. And I expected more from his Tirreno TT as well, to be honest. So it's been a, a bit meta last two time trials for him. Yeah, he's still in the top 10. Yeah, he's not that far behind in GC. But I expected a bit more because if you're Yumbo, you want that extra rider in the uh, top five, perhaps, to be able to use that against the riders you're up against. Now, Ineos has that certainly with Thomas and Yates being in that top five as well. But perhaps Fingar should have been a bit higher in my eyes as well. And it's also... The initial part, like you mentioned, that was the weaker part for him. And then the technical part is the better part for him. So perhaps he decided to go a bit slower initially and then realized in the technical part, well, oh snap, I might not be able to use all the power I have left because of all these corners, but can't go too hard, otherwise I'll crash. Is that also a realistic theory, you think? I think so. I think so. And I'm um, which is interesting that he... He's crashed out of a lot of big races in dramatic fashion. We've discussed his descending. I think Benji was one of the first people to be like, his descending's overrated technically, but when he he will risk crashing. Yeah, but he'll risk crashing and go fast. Now I feel like it's underrated because we went from having it overrated where people said he had a godlike <laughs> descent to now people saying that he can't descend for shit. That's not true. I yeah, think it's exactly. in the middle. <laughs> but like, I think uh, today, he's better than yeah. Paul at descending. Like he can do a quicker okay. descent than Pagaccio. Okay, I um, I'd have to dive into that very uh, deeply. You need to but, see uh, the data. <laughs> I need to see the data. When it comes to Roglic, I think that yeah, the time trial was starting off very good. With if you can stay within a second there of Remco for the initial part, that's very good. Although I, I might have actually thought initially that Roglic would have been better on the initial part, knowing that it starts with that steeper pinch at the start of the uh, San Telmo climb. And when it comes to Remco, I thought perhaps the straighter descents could benefit him which did in the second part but yeah i um i don't know i was somewhat surprised that Evenpool beat Roglic at the first time check personally but nonetheless they were both very attached to each other in the initial part and the second part is where it decided and once again i'll repeat Roglic took the time on the bloody cobble uphill and you mentioned the nab but the way he rode up that that was crazy like and the thing is like with thomas i was expecting perhaps that cobble to help him a bit as well knowing that he's got decent cobble history but like you say, he seemed to have focused on the initial part and then the technical aspect in the cornering might have been the one that actually hit him and not necessarily the cobble part. But let's talk about Bora here because we know that Bora's time trials this year have been a bit of a hit or miss. Vlasov has had decent ones, but the rest of the team has been pretty poor when it comes to results. Like a Kelvin one has disappointed in time trials, I think at Tireno or something. And then... uh Vlasov today with a sixth time and the second part, the technical part is also the part where Vlasov is doing well. The third time in the uh, in the space between the intermediate check and the finish line. So that's a very good time trial for Vlasov, right? But it's a prologue. So is that the usual Vlasov prologue that is good, but then the longer time trial is not as great? This is what I expect from Vlasov. I'd expect him to be around Yates. He's very punchy. If you watched or uh, missed it, rather, GP in Duran, Miguel in Duran was in the Basque country on Saturday, a couple of days before this. Vlasov did that hilly one-day race. He was one of the strongest riders. He ended up second. He got in a late break. Very, very strong uphill. And these short hills are perfect for him. There's no, no hugely long climbs in this race. The next stage, we have 208 kilometers long with just sort of rolling climbs all day, the longest of which is 10Ks, 5%. Knock on wood, I 
I don't think that should be too decisive. Then there's a big valley and then there's 12.7Ks at 3.1%, which is very steady and nothing serious. That crests about uh, 20, no, 30Ks from the finish and then they have rolling terrain. This smells to me, uh, there's there's like uh, 1K, 5%, really close to the finish with a descent into the finish then a punchy uphill. This this looks all like frailer Aaron Baru stage last year, Benji. I don't see who's going to keep it together on that final hill. We have barely any sprinters here. If like, like is Alaphilippe the quickest sprinter? Um, it's just not a sprinter's race. I think someone like, because oh, they won't let Alaphilippe go because he's kind of a GC threat still. Ben Tullet? I'm Covey. Covey should be a big favorite, right? I've got difficulty reading how this stage will be written because like you say, there's that longer climb and then that smaller climb after, but there's like this valley between like, what is it, 50k into the race and 30 kilometers towards the finish line that has to be controlled as well where the breakaway needs to be kept somewhat under control. I do like the aspect of the very decent hills at the start of the race that could break up a a bigger breakaway. And the intriguing part is, Alaphilippe, like you mentioned, who in that team is there as a domestique role? Because you've got James Knox, David Eins, Cavagna, Van Sevenant, Evenepoel, and Alaphilippe. So Everyone I'd argue that... Evenepoel. Uh, Everyone. I'm not so sure Van Sevenant can be the rider that controls it in a valley, though. So I'm looking at Cavagna to do it then, you know? Yeah. It's like David Eins is his launcher, and James Knox is someone, and will do something. <laughs> That's the vaguest explanation of what James Knox can do in the stage. But uh, uh, I don't know. why. Age of two Vendrame. Why can't he just go in the breakaway though? True, exactly. That's a good point. But then I'm like, they can't let the... It's 208Ks. It'd be annoying to have a strong break marking it. We don't yeah. have an HC, like high altitude mountaintop finish aplenty in this race. Like gaps could be pretty small. Yeah. I think it's Kemner... Luis Leon Sanchez, Covey types. Frailer, unfortunately, is chained at Ineos, but I would have picked him. I think Soler and Soler will also launch. Like, put your put your last dollar on it um, when they probably should ride for a Ulysses uphill finish. <laughs> <laughs> Roglic can win this. Don't be surprised if Roglic wins this. Yeah, I agree, but I don't think Yumbo will necessarily control the stage, or no. do you think that they would? Because I would probably not do it if I was them. Not to bring back the entire breakaway. They might keep it in check. But to do the final bit in the last few Ks to actually stop an Uscatel rider going clear? No, I don't think so. Anyway, Basque Country, very hilly race. Should be exciting. And tomorrow, probably, yeah, I think it'll be a solo winner. On to another topic that has been bandied around a little bit, but no confirmation yet. Sonny Cobrelli, we saw in the Volterra Catalunya stage one. I actually came from the very place where it happened, San Feliu de Guijols, this morning on the Costa Brava. He sprinted for second against Michael Matthews in an uphill drag. Very strong performance. And he'd been sick, apparently, with bronchitis the week before. And then news came out through Catalan, I think, no, from Deportes on Twitter, and that he'd collapsed and required that he suffered a cardiac arrest. And luckily, very fortunately, news did come out that afterwards that he was um, 
conscious and was taken to hospital. So apparently since then, he has had a defibrillator implanted, which the purpose of which, according to an article in Le Keep, which has then done the, done the rounds at Nosebite, et cetera, the purpose of the defibrillator, which I've now mispronounced a second time, is to save Colbrelli's life if he were to go into cardiac arrest again. Apparently, he was in hospital in Catalonia. He's gone back to Italy. The news, though, and Benji and I are not doctors. I don't know. I don't know anything um, about that. But the news we want to sort of respond to, which we do know a little bit more about his race programs in the past. Apparently, according to Italian law, in introduced in 2017, athletes with a defibrillator are not allowed to participate in competitions. So that rules Italy out. And apparently the UCI remains to be seen whether they allow him to participate. What do you... Didn't this happen with Ericsson Benji and that influenced his career or where he could or couldn't play? Yeah, I'm not a hardcore football follower, but I do know uh, the event of Ericsson um, happened. And as a consequence, he wasn't able to play in the... Uh, in the Serie A because he had to uh, stop his contract, I think, at Internazionale, Inter Milan. Uh, and therefore, that's why it came into my mind that this could have an influence of for Colbrelli's future in pro cycling. And obviously, I hope we can see him in any other race from this point onwards, but it's going to be dependent on what the UCI decide. And I honestly, probably guess that they might follow that Italian law because that seems the obvious idea for me again we're no doctors but nonetheless when it comes to his race program what races do we see that Cobrelli cannot ride on paper if he is not allowed to ride in a pro cycling in Italy well Milano Sanremo is one that comes up into my mind and the likes of a Giro and so forth Italian classics there's a lot of Italian races out there but is it the end of the world if he necessarily can't ride I don't think so on the assumption that he's able to ride, which as a uh, with Benji, I won't profess an opinion on whether he should or shouldn't, according to the guidelines of the European Society of Cardiology, Colbrelli, oh, sorry, they say patients with an implanted defibrillator, cardioverter should avoid sports that pose a risk of collision and activities that could lead to trauma. So cycling is evidently one of those. But on the assumption for now, he can't compete in Italy, but he will be allowed to compete outside of Italy. Well, he hasn't done the Giro since 2016, which we've actually, I think I've criticized before because he could yeah. do well there. He's done the tour every year since then. He was going to do the tour this year as well. Um, so that's the biggest Italian race. Milano Sanremo, it's one day, the biggest Italian one day race. Can't do that. Okay, it's a lottery anyway. Lombardia, he could do well at, but again, not a favorite. And then he used to do a lot of sort of Grand Piemonte, a lot of Trevallivaticine at the end of the year, the fall classics before Lombardia, he wouldn't be able to do them. Again, a shame. He's good at them. Not career-defining if he can do the other races because of where he's moved into, Benji, because I think they kind of should take him to the tour now. He's that. He's been that good. I'd argue yes, but I still want to see him at the Vuelta, knowing what his qualities are, knowing what type of finishes we usually have at La Vuelta. Although I seem to remember from the Vuelta presentation that there weren't too many uphill finishes, but don't take that as a fact because I can't remember it fully anymore, the uh, 
Velta presentation. But we mentioned a lot before that those Velta finishes usually do fit a Hill sprint, and therefore Corbelli could fit in that uh, regard, I'd argue. But you're right, like the Tour de France, on paper, he can do two Grand Tours in a row. And if you can't do the Italian classics, then the Velta can certainly fit after the Tour de France, I'd say. And it's, there's so many races in France, Spain, Amstel Gold, she suits. He won in Paris-Roubaix like last year. Um, but that remains to be seen. Hopefully he's recovering well. It sounds from all reports that the implantation was a success, or implant rather. And yeah, I think first of all, we hope he gets better soon and recovers, even if he can't end up getting back on the bike in a professional capacity. Um, hopefully he recovers and can lead a somewhat normal life. Because yeah, scary situation, but now at least it sounds like Cole Grelly is on the road to recovery. But thanks for listening. As always, to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift. We'll be back with the Basque Country Stage 2 recap tomorrow. Until then, ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.